Hello and welcome to the Identity Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Caleb. It is a pleasure as always to be able to host this show. We're so excited for this week's show, March 3rd. We are here. We are continuing our sustainability series. It's going to be a great one. Very excited for our guest. Uh, lots, lots of really intriguing things that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about veganism and kind of this crisis around it. We'll be talking about black and brown healing and and just on and on and on, all kinds of things. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and bring on my fellow and lovely co-host, Tarek. What's up, everybody? <laughs> I, I tell you, I need like a button that's like a crowd applause. Um, no, we're going to get that. Uh, but everyone out there, I appreciate the applause, silent or not. Definitely jump in those comments. We love that you're here. We're happy to be here with you. So we're live. We're in the flesh. It's this Wednesday. Um, I don't know. How, how's the weather been over there, man? Oh, beautiful. <laughs> it's been a little chilly. It's been chilly, but also really nice over here. But really? we it's, it, was, yeah. it was beautiful. I wore shorts today. I let my no. I let my pale legs out in the sun. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I I was uh, yeah I was I was vibing, dude. I was having fun outside. I, I I was uh, I was certainly grooving today. I had my earbuds in, listening to some some good old uh, '80s alternative rock, and okay. I, was just, I was just vibing. So. You it's know, you know, you know, us hippies, right? <laughs> just, just having fun. But yeah, um, <laughs> no, yeah. Once again, health is wealth, man, and that's why we're here today. So everyone's exactly. tuning in. We appreciate our guest. Let's bring her on with us, Lisa uh, Betty. Oh, wait, we don't have the applause. We don't have the applause yet. <laughs> we're, but yes, we're here. This is organic. I honestly like to make it always feel like we're all in the same living room, even though we're coming from such different walks of life and different mm-hmm. spaces. So. Um, I hope this feels just as cozy, uh, audio wise as well as visual, but <laughs> checking in, how's your March going so far? It's going well. It's actually black women's history week. So yes, it is um, indeed. And it ends today actually. So what a way to end it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so yeah. glad to have you on. Like, I mean, what a great representation for sure. Mm-hmm. So how, how have you been celebrating all week? Have you been doing other podcasts? Like what's no, what's just the, what's the deal? doing my normal day-to-day work. I'm a, I'm a, a course instructor at Fordham. So just trying to teach these, you know, college students, just regular things, just like yeah. Out of the way. <laughs> like PowerPoint, like at this point, it's very, it's okay. very difficult to push them because, you know, they're not as engaged as usual mm-hmm. um, because it's, mm-hmm. everything is remote. So you I have see. to kind of push them a little bit more and check in with them a little bit more than usual. Um, you know, what, what age group? What age group? 1819. Wow. What a generation. <laughs> These are the ones that inheriting the earth right now, right? <laughs> Indeed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And awesome. mostly freshmen. So they were not, you know, from, yeah, from the time that they graduated from high school to now, it's just kind of like this is not what they were thinking. You know, mm-hmm. their first college experiences would be, they were not thinking that some of their first college classes would be from home mm-hmm. with their family, like yeah. doing random things in the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, look at us right now. Do we think we were going to be here? Not a chance. <laughs> I'm glad that we have this virtual platform for sure. But Most um, there's, there's positives and negatives to this entire thing. I think I guess we can get into the social implications of that for sure. Like, I, I would love to hear just your story. 
I mean, at, here at the Identity Podcast, we, we just, we're here to just open up the floor. I know you're here for a particular topic, but there may be a whole, a whole hour of you just like revisiting things that's been on your mind before we even get to that buzz, because like, we're here to celebrate you. Like, again, this is the last day. I'm sorry we were only able to get this on the tail end, but we got a chance to get some, um, some other BIPOC for, for the rest of the month. So we're going to definitely make up for that. But I'm so glad to have you here with us in the flesh. Mm-hmm. So what's been on your mind? You know, what's, what's been the thing? I mean, right now, um, just, you know, health and wellness, <laughs> colonialism, cultural appropriation, yeah. all of that, um, you know, um, farm workers, that's been um, the, 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 heavy, the heavy lifting that's been on my mind, thinking about all those things uh, and connecting it to my family's heritage or even just like, my fa- like why am I here in this mm. specific country, in the Northeast, in this urban space, like why am I here versus where my, you know, ancestors and lineage actually comes from, which is the Caribbean and um, the, you know, the South of the United States. So it's just kind of like, why am I here first generation in this space attempting to find, um, you know, who I am with, you know, the little, the little things that, that we have up here, but, um, reclaim or remake or, you know, be who I am in this space. So um, mm. making all of those connections, I think has been important at this point. It sure enough is. <laughs> it definitely is. Like, um, would you say that it's been more recent that you've been on this journey or have you always been trying to discover this deep, this, the depths of identity? Because I can share that for sure. My dad has pushed the ancestry.com and I've just looked into so many, the depths of just where I come from. Um, whether it be indigenous, like you said, or just coming from other sorts of, you know, the planet, or if we get super spiritual, just uh, the sun itself. But I, I think that a lot of this comes, um, has been self-reflective in 2020. And it's it's been a long time coming for me. So I'm glad to have more uh, conscious beings kind of connect and speak about this on a platform that everyone can understand, you know? To be very honest, I think, I mean, it's been about seven years uh, in the making for me. Um, Mm. That type of, I think it was like December 2012 is when I came like, you know, really just everything needs to change. And, um, but before that, or now it's eight years, but, um, but, or heading into its eighth year. But before that, I've always been like that person to ask questions. And a lot of the time it was, <laughs> I was very much, um, you know, ostracized because I would talk about things like white supremacy, like very easily. Um, <laughs> since a child, yeah. like, you know, 15 years old. Talking when do you, about when do you think that that started? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I we um, usually go like all the way back. Like when, when did you first think, start thinking like this before you even got into sustainable health? You think it started out with just, the, the rebellion against colonialism well, and what it truly is, the face of it, you know? I've, my whole, my family, like my entire family's into, or I'll say my grandmother is a farmer from Jamaica, farmer and a nurse in Hebrew wow. from Jamaica. That's so true. being raised by a woman who was very uncomfortable or co-raised because, you know, she was in our house and was there for, um, you know, till I was about nine or 10, 
till for 10 years living with my grandma and having her a part of my life and um, her raising us um, in a type of way, um, I saw how uncomfortable she was in this space. Like it wasn't her space, like, um, and how she tried to reclaim certain things and go to certain stores and make, you know, and connect in certain ways and how it was almost impossible for her. So when um, I was 10, she moved to back to Jamaica and, you know, she's a farmer in Jamaica, has land and all of that stuff and, you know, has her house and her house is by a river and, and all of those things. She created a, a wonderful life for herself there. Uh, but I always wondered why she went back because I didn't understand, you know, I, you know, I thought that we have at that time, I had been to Jamaica at five years old. Um, been to Jamaica at three months, but then again at five years old. And I didn't really understand. Um, I knew that where we lived in Jamaica is far from any town. It, like it's two hours, a two hour drive up the mountain from um, the town of Morant Bay, which is more of a town center um, in the parish that my family lives in. And then that Morant Bay is two hours from Kingston. And so, like to even get to a hospital as a person, and I knew she always would go to the hospital, you know, every two months. Or and but maybe she was also preparing for travel, like making sure she got everything that she needed, making sure that she was in good health so that she can move back. But when she left, I didn't understand why someone who is at that time she was seventy-seven would leave, um, and she's an older person, and who's going to take care of her and who's going to help her. Right. Um, and where are the, you know, hospitals? And I'm thinking in ways of not only who's going to help her, but that the world that we live in is a space that has things that her particular town, uh, the town that she's from in Jamaica doesn't. So I was thinking in kind of like scarcity, um, mm. and in a colonial way, but not even thinking in a colonial way, but just like, um, I think maybe just kind of wanting to understand why. So maybe that was the first phase of saying that there's something in this space that is yours, that you have, that she has, that is very different from the space that where you're in, where you are. It, it's kind of, there is, it's a scarcity model where she, where she's from, it's right. abundance. Like she doesn't have to go to the grocery store. She has a farm. Like right, you know right. what I mean? she has everything. <laughs> Um, you know, while, yeah, like while we're just trying to navigate different systems for even food resources, um, she has a farm, you know, she has a house that is hers outright. She has so much while we were renting, while there was all types of things going on, um, for my family that didn't, you know, that, that created, um, kind of food insecurity and things like that, where my grandmother in Jamaica just didn't didn't necessarily experience in the same way because she had community, she had her own farm and she had her own space. So um, it was the reality growing up that she has, like, why are we here if we have so much there? Um, and, and you never think about that when you talk about spaces that are defined as third wor world, as spaces of abundance Abundant. but mm -hmm. they are that's why they're third world that's why they're over exploited spaces and countries you know what i mean that's why the global south now is global south but the global south is over exploited because it is abundant 
it is abundant in resources. It is abundant in different types of seeds and different types of ways of being. It's very abundant um, in natural springs and in, in vegetation um, and animals and beauty. So it's just kind of like I I knew that as a as a child. So when we moved to all white neighborhood and they were talking about how they would go to Jamaica for vacation. And that was where my family is from. You know, that was, there was those two types of just kind of like seeing tourism as colonialism, seeing like, you know, my grandma lives there and I can't even visit my grandma because um, we don't have the type of money to do that, you know, and I'm worried about my grandmother you know, you know, every day or every Sunday when my mom calls her, just thinking about if she hurts herself, like how is she going to get help? Who's going to help her? Because we're not there. And you just went to Jamaica for the weekend. Like, <laughs> so I, those uh, wow. thoughts were very, I really did, you know, politicize, um, you know, the, you know, colonialism was politicized very early for me, just knowing that, um, particularly white American people, um, wealthy white American people around me were going to Jamaica for the weekend and how um, my family, you know, with me, I hadn't been to Jamaica at that point. I'll say up to when my grandma died. Well, I hadn't been to Jamaica for about 20 years. I went to Jamaica when I was 25 and okay. uh, or 26. And then my grandma died when I was um, 19. So, mm. And I couldn't go to her funeral because we didn't have the money because I was just, you know, I was in college wow. and we had to figure out. And, you know, and two months before she died, I actually sent her a package with money that I got. It's called, I know for, for any of my George Washington friends, uh, George Washington University that I met there, they had this thing called G World and you could go to CVS with it early on. This was 15 years ago. You go to CVS and do different things with it. And okay. so I was getting my grandma's stuff with my G World card. You know, that's that's the, the I'm sending like I'm sending remittances with college money. You know what I mean? And so those realities too. Um while yeah. So I'm just it's a it's a lot of um just like intersections where I, I thought of uh, colonialism and then I didn't name it decolonization, but it was that type of process of understanding mm -hmm. these systems that restricted me from even seeing my grandmother, but allowed particularly wealthy white people um, or not even just even regular regular white people to go to Jamaica real quick. <laughs> Cause if there's a, there's a sale, you know what I mean? So um, sale, go to Jamaica real quick. And you know, um, have the time of their lives, and then um, you know, you know, make sure they have soda and styrofoam plates so they have to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? And do the type of tourism that is, you know, the anti-environmentalism type tourism, and then go on their merry way. Um, where it took me a while to go back to Jamaica until I was 26, and when I went, I went with supplies and I went with intention and I went with, you know, creating with, um, to uh, visit a community and it was, you know, um, academic. And I also went to visit family and um, it was very much a coming, a coming home. It wasn't just a uh, quick vacation, which, you know, I don't want to say that people can't enjoy themselves in this space. And, and now that things are easier and accessible, but at the same time, we do have to um, understand where 
um, tourism and where um, homecoming or home finding um, kind of moves in and people are kind of moving in different ways and, and community building and diasporic community building is very different from just like tourism. And I think when people move, travel to these spaces, particularly the Caribbean, Africa, um, South America, Central America, and uh, Southeast Asia, they have to um, be very cognizant of those types of things, um, cognizant of colonization as tourism, and cognizant that there's people who are attempting to find home in diaspora and connection and help people who are already building in those spaces really build in really intentional, sustainable, and um, indigenous types of ways. So it, it started it started I'm with the question. That. <laughs> we yeah. can just breeze past all of that great stuff you're doing. Wow. It started yeah, with the question of yeah. why my grandma was going back to Jamaica when I was 10, you know, and being like, what does Jamaica have that we don't have here? And then after that, I learned that it, they have Jamaica has everything and we had everything. Um, but at the same time, colonization is still happening. Neocolonialization is still happening. Neocolonialism is still happening. So we have to, like, um, you know, I, I would, I even have to navigate differently in Jamaica, just knowing, knowing that, um, uh, uh, because things are, are moving in uh, really particular ways down, down there. Um, but yeah, that's where, that's kind of where that identity of of you know thinking about whiteness decolonization and capitalism and um and just the farming community my family's from really developed my way of being as just kind of like I come from an alternative space and with time my identity has been coming closer and closer to that alternative space where I literally want to be just like my grandmother like wow that's See that full who I circle? want to be yeah. yeah, I don't want to be. I want to be just like her because she had she had everything. Even when you know her, you know, without the generational curses, because she was also she was also half white. So there's a lot of issues with that. Okay, um, with people who are um, biracial in the Caribbean and yeah. uh, colorism and anti-blackness and you know and then you know um, having a uh, basically a white supremacist father in the house. You know what I mean? And then a very dark skinned mother um, yeah, in the I house. And, and just like how, you know, my great grandmother wasn't necessarily taken seriously as a, a dark skinned black woman and how my great grandfather was always exalted. And we even have a picture of him. And it's just like, we don't have a picture of my great grandmother. So it's like those small things that, you know, mm. those, those, that generational curse needs to go. But it's so true. Yeah. Um, but, everything else um but everything else that she that she kept which is a lot to do with what i i know her mother taught her because there's no way a scottish man taught my, my grandfather how to do certain things maybe I'm farming of certain things maybe asparagus because he ate asparagus so maybe that but <laughs> cassava <laughs> no. like he yeah. didn't plant it. No, maybe he learned some things, but but <laughs> she's learned, those are things that are you know our our African heritage, the Afro Indigenous heritage. Denied, indeed. 
Yeah, yeah it's coming from those spaces. So she kept a lot of those practices, um, even though that there were those issues within our family of colorism and things like that. Um, my grandmother was definitely like an Afro-Jamaican woman, like an African-Jamaican woman, because the way she navigated, um, mm -hmm. what she knew, the healing practices that she had. Um, you know, how she prayed, how she did things. And I'm just like, um, so, and, and how she, you know, acted towards me that like, we were very much, um, uh, very, uh, close. So maybe, you know, I was put into the world to show her that there's a different way of being and that she needs to connect more with her, um, just connect more with, with who she is rather than who she uh, wants to project to the world. Shout out to the matriarchs of families and all of that on, on such a wonderful month, you know. Um, that was quite a lot, you know. I, I had lots of notes here, of course. I was taking some notes and stuff. But yeah, if we just want to take off of that point, um, I, it kind of brings into question what you really feel is the matriarch and what that divine feminine really means. Um, it true The true abundance uh, of the wealth of childbirth and procreation and just like you said the knowledge of arts taking care of so many members and uh i mean it all goes back to health and wealth like we always think about our moms when we think about our food our navel all of our sacral chakras all come from this you know feeling of security so i mean i'm so happy to, that you have that um experience with your grandmother um god rest her soul for sure but you know obviously those lands are yours as well and those lands are your grandmother so i was wondering um have you entered into the farming space as well, or, or do you have a green thumb? Or, <laughs> yeah, I I have entered into a farming space. I don't. I have. It's not that I don't have a green thumb. I just don't have the. Um, I'm not. I know I'm not putting my energy towards it in the way that I have to put my energy towards different things. So okay. I think um, the space and the spirit is pushing me towards, um, you know, truly, um, kind of investing in my green thumb, because it's something that you have to, you just can't be, you just can't like text and go, oh, it, it works. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's, it's like being really connected to um, the vegetation around you, especially if you want the vegetation to create something that you can eat. Um, it's different than just having a plant that's like <laughs> in your house. <laughs> um, but There's a lot of people that think they have a green thumb by having that, for sure. I, you I know, do and think it's, yeah, go ahead. And it, sorry, and it's like you know, and it's a cute plant is good too, but there's a different space. Like I have, I have friends that are literally growing in their backyard. I have about, um, and even some on their fire, you know, fire, uh, um, you know, places too. Um, so it's a little, uh, it's a bit different um, to get into that space, but it's uh, it's accessible. Anyone can develop that. Right. So. Um, that's, that's what, that, that's learned. A green thumb is learned. That's what, that's what I kind of came, came, you know, came from certain spaces with, but yeah, I really got into, um, the urban farming space when I arrived in New York uh, in right. 2013. Um, and me, and it was, it was interesting. Me and my good friend, um, Whitney actually arrived in New York around the same time from DC and we were just like reclaiming our life in space in a particular type of way. And we both never really talked about farming, but then right. she, she, but then she, um, 
got a volunteership at a at the Brooklyn Grange and I was taking an urban agriculture class as a part of program that I was with at NYU. And then one day that we were just, um, I said, you know, on Saturdays that it was my job to water um, water the, the crops because it was like the, the summer, it was a summer course to water the crops. And she would just come with me. And then we were just like barefoot watering crops. And the amount of people of color, particularly um, immigrants, or yeah, like first generation people really who were passing by us from Ethiopia, Mexico, Jamaica, like, cause I would hear accents and people talking that would just like right. look at us and be like, wow, um, women and, and men and all these people just looking at us like, like with our shoes off and just like in the middle, in the middle, this is NYU campus. So it's like in the middle of, I, I forgot what street, but it's um, Houston and, and whatever, what, Bleak, okay. But Houston yeah, in and, the middle of it, it's the most urban you can get right there. Yes, so it's like Houston and some, some street, whatever. Right. <laughs> but that that urban uh, farm is no longer there. But really, um, I didn't know that. We were, yeah, but we were in the middle of it all. Um, in the basically, in kind of in the middle of New York, just doing whatever we were doing. And so people were just looking at these two black women with afros, just like doing stuff. <laughs> And we we didn't really you know know exactly what we were we were doing all the way because we were still learning different things different we were we were learning and like we weren't I wouldn't say we were uh, experts but you know you know everyone learns you know my grandmother still in her, her mind maybe she was still learning because right. you can't do when you're doing agriculture you can't do the same thing all the time because you have you know it's the ecosystem you have to go with the ecosystem so right. and the environment so you have to sometimes switch things up or understand oh there's this there's that so um but but us being there i was just like okay this is this is my space and then me and my friend whitney being a community with these things and being able to talk about these things together um was also really positive and from that we both sprang our different networks and then those networks definitely came together as this became what we do um and became a part of our decolonization process and a part of how we moved in the world and a part of us learning how um she does more fashion and I do more food but also learning from each other how these really intersect because um, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't. Necess I didn't necessarily. I understood um, in in uh, when it came on to um, labor and people who work in the fashion industry. I understand that in the labor, in the forced labor, and and the you know unfair uh, labor systems within the fashion industry. But I didn't understand it in terms of agriculture. Um, and then and again, you know, me also bringing my knowledge of what's going on with agriculture and food to my, my friends in my network and sustainability. So like we're teaching each other. So it's just like um, a, a really positive web of learning, relearning, unlearning and connecting with each other um, on all of these issues. And now we have a really wonderful network that's New York to the world, Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn to the world, out to the world, um, New York city out to the world uh, that's doing this work. Um, and then a lot of the people that were doing this work were engaged with this work and we call ourselves sisters in sustainability. It is, I don't even know if we have a TM or anything like that, but whatever. Um, a, a lot Wait, of what's, them the, what's the name of it again? So we can actually put it up on uh, Okay. Yeah. But, um, you know, we're just like a collective of, of 
black woman, black identifier okay. woman. Yeah, women you, you have so much knowledge. I, I want to go back. So you also said your um, your friend Whitney. She's also doing something as well. Is she part of the collective, or is that? Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, like and there's um, a there's a whole network of us that are just like right. doing this work. Um, and go. it's yeah, <laughs> and um, and um, we you know and there's also different levels to what we're doing and and how we're doing it. Um, you know, um, a lot of us are you know well known in the field, and a lot of us are um, important contributors to the field, but never put ourselves out there at the forefront. And so it's also just a good network to have because. Um, like with me, I'm just entering the forefront, even though I, I have a wealth of knowledge in this space, but I'm just putting myself in the forefront, like literally March, <laughs> um, that I started to engage with like public, public facing. Um, um, before that, I did not engage public facing, not, not always and not all the time. Um, you know, if I was invited to something, I was invited to something, but I didn't put my ideas out on the web. I didn't write and right. publish it out you know, in like medium or, um, or any other publications. I, I, you know, I was not public facing at all. Um, One question. So to all the, you know, um, young ladies uh, that are actually listening and um, um, entrepreneurs that are starting, like, what was that shift for you? Like what changed? Why, why March? Why now? Why 2021? You know, the pandemic. Um, So that's, that's one thing where um, within the pandemic setting, it was, it allowed everybody to, you know, and it's it's horrible, but allowed everyone to be in the same space of alertness that I have been in for um, 20 years. I actually feel you on that. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, welcome, welcome. You I was know? 15, like, like we all gonna die. <laughs> like, white supremacy is killing us. Capitalism is starving us. Oh, now, and now everybody's now on that page. Oh, yeah, so, exactly. you know what I mean? I see, I see. Thank, you know, thank the spirit, thank the right. universe, because it was a very lonely space. And it's, you know, I would have friends that would, and I would make friends in a, a network of people that understood the, that that type of language and that had that type of understanding, but there's different processes of like development to even start thinking about these things. Precisely. Um, yeah. So it's not just immediate, um, you know. It's for not sure. immediate. Something right. needs to happen personally. Also, things you know you need to be engaged with with reading people. You need to be be wrong and then you know and then figure out what parts are right and what parts are wrong about how you're thinking and what parts are you attempting to survive these systems so you're acculturating and right. what parts were you made to uh, assimilate um to to survive like Cold you have to really out like to all of that yeah you have um, to understand those levels and yeah. I'm, I'm glad i have like a network of of people that have, have been you know i've cultivated a, a, a network and, and kind of you know connected myself with people like we're friends now they're like what <laughs> It's like we're friends, just deal with it. <laughs> like, but, um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, they're just too like I I know we're friends, <laughs> like because I can't talk to this about this stuff with anybody with else. else yeah. Um but um I think everybody became on a similar page of um urgency that I in some way kind of have always been on. 
um, and the conversations that I always wanted to have, as I said, you know, about white supremacy, I was 15. Now people were willing to engage in those conversations. And I think people actually started to understand the language I was speaking when mm -hmm. before it was like um, the, what is it? The Muppet, not the Muppets, um, Charlie Brown, where <laughs> I, I was the adult, wah, 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 wah. And no, everyone yeah. was just like, I don't understand what you're talking about. Um, it was, it was, they didn't want to, yeah. yeah, well, it was, it was, they, they couldn't because they just, it was just not there yet. It, it, and it's okay because well, it's, it's okay because there were points in my life where I wasn't necessarily there. I see and, what you're saying. It wasn't yeah, there for so, them, but it's always been present. Like, let's not deny, like you said, Jamaica's not been going through this anytime new. The colorism has been going since before your grandmother and things that she yeah. experienced as a child and her grandmother. I've been thinking about this in such a like layered type of way. Like this is a much larger problem than we're trying to fix right now. But what I, I wanted to highlight is what you're saying is that sense of community that you've built has actually made me more, not necessarily like I needed a crowd to finally do it. Cause I've been on this for a while too, whether it be which we're going to touch on which veganism and vegetarian stuff. I've been on that for a long time, but just finding those like-minded individuals that seem to be so far and scattered across has become a lot more accessible, at least for me. Like, I don't know how I would have met you if I didn't take a step out to do something different for you know the community or whatever it is. So I encourage you to keep going because you're gonna build up such a unit. So I, I appreciate all of your sisterhood and stuff. So I know this is gonna go through their networks as well. So I appreciate them as well. So mm -hmm. yeah. no, def definitely. Um, it's a very strong network and you know, and moving in particular types of ways and contributing in particular types of ways and, and teaching and learning and connecting with each other. But um, yeah, it really was the pandemic that made me, well, it was particularly my first article that I wrote on Medium, which was about um, health, wellness. And I think what I'm going to do is in April, it came out like April 4th. So I'm going to work on that article and revamp it as a kind of like, I wrote this and this is how I'm changing, you know, like a note, Arthur's note that this is being changed and updated based upon like a year anniversary of the pandemic. But I was literally having family members because my mom is like the one who's the healer in the family. So we were having family members call us saying that they may or may not have COVID. And mm. we had to tell them like how to survive this because of just things that we knew about just natural remedies and natural like African, um, indigenous African, actual indigenous Caribbean, like spaces that we like healing spaces that we understand. Yeah. And um, my sister does is, you know, like in inclined with like science and some of the, the, the knowledge around that, like scientific knowledge, like don't take this, you need to take zinc with, with this and blah, right. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> some of the technical. And then I'm very inclined with the, um, the types of food and how to convey and, and how to also convey um, things about um, um, healing without it being uh, an indictment on people, uh, without it being saying that what you, how you live is um, bad. So you need to transform your life and you know you know how it is you know how yeah, it is. I, listen it's about, I mean, shame. It's about creating shame without creating shame but yeah. about saying like 
if you if you have COVID and you're really struggling, you know, with with the symptoms, these are these are things that that you know top ten things that you should do to kind of like to allow you to alleviate these symptoms. Right. And it's really like you know orange, you know, eat oranges and mangoes. There's things that's that's somewhat accessible um, to to um, people. But I also wrote an article attached to it, like saying that accessibility for all these things, all these ten things, are going to be difficult for a lot of people. Me saying yeah. drink lots of water may be difficult for a lot of people. Right. Um, you know, so um it, it's really positioned like I had to I had to I was very forthright um and forward with with this is this is you know do what you can from this list and this is how my grandmother who is a, a healer and a nurse and uh someone uh, you know horticulturalist and all this kind of and a farmer this yeah. is how she would do it um and this is what my mom remembers about how you know how my grandmother healed and this is what she does to heal us and i trust this um and it's very simple um it's like you know lower lower gluten or don't eat gluten at all if you're sick uh, it's just like, don't eat meat when you're sick. I mean, that's just like general things that my family always had rules about, like, don't eat meat when you're sick. Um, and that may be just attached to, um, you know, how meat was eaten anyways in, in my family, just like in Jamaica where, you know, you ate meat fresh, you know what I mean? And there was not very much refrigeration. So, yeah. and you transitioned non-human animals in a particular type of way. Um, so you can't really trust me in these spaces anyways. So right. it's just kind of like, yeah, and that's how we've always navigated. Um, so it's, it's, yeah. So it was COVID that said that I needed to get my, um, this information out there because this was information that we were sending to my family, family members. And I'm talking about like my family of, you know, I say that I'm Jamaican. That means like, most of us are um are essential workers in some framework like most of us like my my family has fulfilled filled those roles and many caribbean american people have filled those roles right. many caribbean I'm, immigrants say, those I'm, roles. I'm in new york so i know most so you of understand all, people were still working precisely and not yeah, only that so, i just uh the transition not to sorry interrupt you no but the transition no. from um the ideas of colonialism from back from where we were originally like it was originally just a healer and if you go back to some african traditions witch doctors or medicine men and all these herbs and stuff that i, I was taking during uh 2020 i definitely was going to the jamaicans and getting all sorts of tonics whatever i need they they have what you need you know whether it be sea moss which is going through yeah. a bit of a shortage so i i wanted to position the question like um partially like how have you changed your diet? What do you suggest for people? And kind of like what projects have you been working on um, directly? It's kind so, of a multifaceted question, but yeah, I know you'll get no, to all of but, it. <laughs> but I, I had to just seeing that also the politics when I first wrote um, a first wrote the, the, the first article that I wrote. When I wrote it, I was not in, engulfed in the politics of health and wellness. I did know that something is wrong here. Um, I did know that um, accessibility was an issue. I did know that cultural appropriation was a big issue because that's probably why we have a CMOS shortage is because 
you know, certain people want CMOS. <laughs> and Whole Foods well, probably the whole, the now whole has sage, CMOS available at a Whole Foods near thing. you. Whole that Foods market near well. you. And it's not, yeah. yeah, and it's not, say, cultivated by, you know, a small marketplace. It's now, you know, a whole situation. Right. But um, I knew that those things existed. So I wanted to speak directly to my community um, and get certain information in my community, which is which was a simple, simple you know, 10 things like, you know, ginger tea, blend the ginger, boil the ginger, drink the ginger. Like, you know what I mean? Those, those types of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's pretty, pretty accessible in, in, a, in a particular type of way, like, um, or even just lemon, squeeze the lemon, boil, boil it as tea and then drink it like hot lemon or, or warm, warm lemon um, to, to break apart mucus, just like general, somewhat general things that, the CDC or, or in the and the NA uh, the NHS or anything like that can't really give that information because they're just telling people to wash their hands, which you know, which I maybe understand or but at the same time, I said if if they can't give that type of information of just up your fruits and vegetables um, and lower lower meat and gluten intake uh, and dairy intake while you're sick because this is about mucus buildup. Um, you know, that's true. That's what they, about. Can't, they can't do that. And a lot of people don't, all that stuff. I, yeah, I had to learn that too. Mm -hmm. I had to learn when I was going through, um, you know, a, a transition in the way my body was working eight years ago. I had to learn that, um, what gluten was, cause I didn't really understand what gluten was eight years ago. Um, and I didn't, I didn't even understand it as a colonial food as, you know, that's, that's wheat coming from Europe. And I don't, my family, we, we're not eating wheat. We're eating. Yeah. We're eating. I mean, cassava, banana. Kind of, yeah. We're, even, yeah. We're eating a lot yeah. of starch. We're eating starches, but they're mostly gluten-free. So, and if you have bread, it's hard dough bread and it's like, Ooh, treat. <laughs> it's not like, you know what I mean? It's not something that's consumed daily or this and the other to treat most, right. most of the food that you're um, eating is gluten-free. Um, so I had to also understand that. And that's why parts of my um, just uh, parts of my just like health was um, there was no equilibrium or balance in it because I was partaking in certain type of colonial foods that my, my family just wasn't eating in a particular type of way. Even meat um, um, uh, consuming, and I was talking to Caleb about this earlier, consuming um, non-human animals in a particular type of way. Um, my family, you know, I, <laughs> the reason why I went, you know, all the way you know, vegan or, or plant-based and, and really attracted all animal products from my diet was um, I was thinking about my the body count. I was just like, yeah. well, <laughs> your body count is, and I think I, I when I did, the, I can't remember the calculation, but I think my calculation was like 30,000 non-human animals. <laughs> it was Big something like, really like, Wow, you murderer! I think it's just like <laughs> if you go back to like like the fertile land, would you have hunted all of that yourself? Would you have gone that's out and killed that I'm many chickens? Saying. I don't think so. I don't. Yeah, that's a whole nother space to be in, um, mm -hmm. because it fits with all of the ancestors that I had. They starting particularly with my grandmother, um, how they they didn't consume thirty thousand beings. 
They didn't do that. Like all my ancestors. Um, I can't tell you what the English, you know, what the English Scottish I'm talking about the African, <laughs> African indigenous and Asian ones. They did not <laughs> consume all those. Right. They just, there's well, just, there's no way. Um, you know, so I'm, 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 I consumed maybe like a thousand years of what they consumed with my 30, with my 30,000 beings. And I was just like, that's great. That's what really made me like, that's crazy. I was like, that's why like <laughs> your DNA can't even handle this. Like on a scientific level, can your right. DNA even handle this? Right. Like, no, a cellular level, level, you can't handle this. Um, spiritual <laughs> level, can you handle this? Cause you don't right. even know what happened to any of those things. Like you, right. You don't know the, the type of the, tor torture and torment that you're ingesting. Can you handle fear, this? And I was like, no. Nope. All of that stuff. Yeah, it's it's a horrible, horrible process. And then also, you have no idea where this is coming from, for sure. And yeah. then also, you know, well, you know, I have to think about this too. Well, your grandmother could look a goat in the eye that she raised and said, "It's your time to go," and I'm going to transition you. And I, I love you, and I thank you for what you've done for my family. Um, but it's your time to go. And she transitioned that animal. Could I do that? <laughs> like, I'm weak. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> like, it's a lot easier she, to just be like, oh, $10 that. for some chicken. You know, you're not thinking like, about all the stuff that's I, gone through. Like, yeah. It's my, insane my to spirit, think about like that. My spirit is not strong enough to even, like, go into some of the indigenous spiritual or just the practices of transitioning or sacrificing animals to consume them like i have i like there's certain there's like a, a space in indigenous practices that you need to be in to be able to do that and i am not even there like i couldn't can you like i can't even fish because i'd be like i'm not i can't fish so it's like if i can if i can um hunt but hunt in like the indigenous practices type ways if i can transition animals indigenous practices type ways if if i can do that then you know that i can do that but i can't so it's just like i have no right to then ingest beings that i can't even look in the eye and kill that's my thing like if you're gonna be a gangster, be be all the way. <laughs> <laughs> be all the way gangster, right? Do the do the ritual prayer, pray over it, but, you know, just like and, Shabbos. I mean, uh, halal food. I mean, there's a, there are some religions that do pray over the, their food still. And, but it's yeah. also their associations now with colonialism and capitalism is also moving them into certain spaces where they're where they have to transition animals at like a high high-speed rate where they, it wasn't like that before, you Tim know, where, just like yeah, now it's like, we have to do this because, you know, and it has to be fast. And because of the way, um, that Western eating habits, which is very meat based is right. moving. It's is transitioning people to eat meat in ways that they have not in the quantities that they have not generations before. So that's also problematic where there are, say, cultures that do some of those things currently, but they still are associated with these um, with systems of capitalism, and white supremacy within the food system. Right. For sure. I mean, I think um, Caleb had put the banner up really quickly, but I actually think I don't think veganism equals a crisis. I think that it's kind of trying to reverse the crisis a bit. <laughs> In a I'll sense, tell you, you know, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I was telling Caleb <laughs> earlier, go ahead. Say, no, say, no, this is important. This is really important. For sure, for sure. I mean, 
what what the potential crisis is is comes from a lot of different aspects of just the immorality of what you just described, the immorality of not really taking into account other life and beings. That's all this is about. And when you come from the abundancy mindset that a lot of our ancestors have come from, whether just because of the sun being closer to the equator or wherever uh, Pangea left us after everything started to come about, um, in more European places, uh, particularly around like um, during the ice age, there was a lot more like crazy food shortages because of the way that they were cultivating the food. Uh, they would fish and like destroy the ponds like with too much and stuff. I've heard all types of theories. So they had to venture out into more vegetation because there wasn't enough there. I mean, even leading to some sorts of cannibalism and all sorts of other crazy stuff that was going on. So I, I think that there are different ways, even because uh, a lot of people like to, um, I do have indigenous like native uh, Americans, like, you know, like the ones that are here that they like to proclaim are the, the biggest parts of indigenous America. But if you look at America as a whole, even those that are indigenous Jamaican with their an, uh, ancestry from Africa and all sorts of other places have been here for like the longest, like before Columbus, even way before mm -hmm. long before that. Mm -hmm. So if you just think about, like you said, the, the enriching of the environment and how abundant we come from, um, as a people, we've been able to share that. And when you have a scarcity mindset is when you start to create that in other aspects, that fear, is then perpetuates and creates more things. And now, like you said, we're almost consuming that fear, even with the way we eat. So I, I'm just curious, like, do you have like a checklist of what you eat? Like, what keeps you happy? Like, I, I, I tend to eat, like you said, very bright fruit, foods, tons of water. Um, but I would love to have that like checklist that you could probably share with people. Do you have like a website for that or is it on your Instagram? I mean, maybe I need to, need to have a website for that. I have plant-based political and I actually have another um, uh, you know, another IG page called right. Fattish Veganish. Um, but <laughs> I've been kind of, mm -hmm. okay. and, but I've been, you know, I've been lazy about Fattish Veganish, but I need to put that up. But the reason why, as I'm coming into more um, political vegan spaces, um, that's where the crisis uh, is. It's not necessarily in the um, kind of, what what veganism projects or what we the the even the personal reasons why we move into that space it's not that it's the collective movement spaces or mainstream movement spaces that have become uh dangerous to um not only veganism as progressive but then veganism as connecting with other social justice um and um, activist movements um you know um sustainability human rights and mm -hmm. this kind of um non-human animals only type of animal activism so it's it's not necessarily um just veganism as um the personal um kind of transformation of, of not, you know, I'm not going to consume um, animals or, and I'm not going to partake in particular type of, you know, non-human things that, that are associated with non, with, with non-human animal, not only consumption, but the use of non-human animals. But um, it's a little bit, what I've learned is just by being in this space, by starting Plant Basis Political and engulfing myself in this space that there's a lot going on even the thing like white veganism and white supremacy not being um really sift out um because veganism is 
you know, like any other social justice type of movement, anti-oppressive movement. It's like feminism. It's similar to environmentalism. It's within those spaces. Um, but those spaces are very much, you know, colonized like spaces, <laughs> colonized spaces. <laughs> like they don't really talk about capitalism. There's a lot of things that aren't necessarily like it's, it's, you know, project a lot of, um, trauma porn. There's just, um, there's a lot of issues. So, so to, to kind of, and then, you know, black people are moving, particularly black people are moving within vegan spaces differently. Um, especially if you're from certain areas, um, where like say DC, New York, um, Boston, or just even just, just different areas around the United States, say, and, or, and then in Europe where there are, um, uh, you know, cultures that have been vegan for, you know, right. as a decolonization tool, tool for decolonization as a tool right. for anti-capitalism, like Rastafarian people, um, a, you know, an anti, a tool for, you know, anti projecting anti-colonialism, all of that. That's right. a different space to then, um, you know, be plant-based and um, be in vegan spaces. That's a, just a different whole viewpoint to be in. Um, rather than, you know, I saw a documentary and I saw a pig's throat get cut and now I can't, you know, I, I understand that. now. I don't think that, I that, now. That's one thing, <laughs> but, but to go into a, that, but that's kind of a trauma attached to, I'm not going to do this, do this now, but will mm -hmm. it take you every year to see a, a pig's cut through, you know, you know, <laughs> a throat cut for you to be like, oh, okay, now I know why I'm still vegan. Um, no, okay. it needs to be rooted in like decolonization. It needs to be rooted in white unsettling in these spaces. It needs to be rooted in um, total liberation. It needs to be rooted in anti-capitalism, right. uh, and it has to be rooted in what indigenous people have been fighting for. Most, you know, many indigenous people are plant-based, and they're being forced to acculturate to Western uh, patterns and norms. And a lot of those Western patterns and norms are about um, consumption of um, meat, dairy, and gluten. So, and it, and it's just kind of like, you know, um, you know, the, the da 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 diet. <laughs> right. Um, we don't lose our sponsorship. Like, no, we're not, not sponsored by McDonald's. But, but the fact that we know what that is, tells us how the assimilation process, the culturation process have, right. you know, has even do you know how to, do you know how to have an understanding. Coconut? Do you know how to do all that stuff? But I bet you know the jingle to McDonald's. Like, that's, that's yes. just the thing. Like, uh, can yes. you transition a spirit and actually make sure that you're doing it correctly and that you're not eating its negativity? Do you know how to, like, actually take time and let the, the earth cultivate itself after maybe farming it too much, not overusing it? Like, little stuff like that like you said, have been passed down. And they're like, I love that word that used to be called like savage. And, you know, I, I know you said that you felt poor. And I think that is so interesting that you described that after you just said, uh, my grandmother was abundant. I didn't feel poor at all. And you felt that you couldn't go back home. Of all places, they're going to the abundance and they've got you in the scarcity. So it's like this, like exactly. this, 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 this switch that makes you feel. And I felt that in all spaces. I mean, even even just amongst our own people, I feel like that scarcity mindset is perpetuated. I don't know how many in your circle, I mean, obviously your circle has been probably created, but originally in my circle, before I kind of 
went on this path of vegetarian or whatever I was doing just to change the face, the paradigm of what people were experiencing. Um, I, with my name being Arabic, with all sorts of things coming from that, my own ancestry and just going through those spaces. But um, I realized that a lot of people, A, like you said, don't really want to change or have to experience, uh, God forbid, and God rest his soul, like a knee on a neck for this global change to change about and like put everyone together. And I don't think that it needs to be continued to reiterated that we have to continue to see leaders fall for us to stand up. You know, it's, I'm kind of tired of that aspect. Like we have to like more celebrate our gains rather than every time we find a loss, you know? So. And, and I think, I think the thing is, is that there are, there's a lot going on and we have to understand that these systems are way bigger than we understand and know. So I don't, blame anybody for being assimilated or acculturating um, because there's a level of, I'm not fully decolonized. If I was, I'd be, you know, F this computer. Like, you know, I would just be gone. You know what I mean? Right. So I still am acculturated and assimilated to this space in some at some level to right. survive this, this specific circumstance that I'm in. And then I have to also understand that I'm also a um, a messenger for my, you know, ancestors and different colonized people around the world who are still struggling in the same ways that my ancestors did 150 years ago. Um, my ancestors um, in 1865 um, orchestrated one of the largest rebellions in Jamaican history. No and way. literally, this is what like, some facts. What's that these about? are like my people, like these I, are my people. Like my, I looked on my grandma's, um, obituary and, um, you know, the flyer or the, the little, the leaflet for her, um, for her funeral, um, recently, like 10 years ago. And, uh, I saw the name Bogle and I was like, you know, as the person who was the, the preacher that was, um, you know, the, the, for the, um, for the funeral, the pastor for the funeral's last name Bogle. And I was like, like Paul Bogle, like Jamaican hero, like, burned the courthouse and you know killed mad british people <laughs> for for, for our <laughs> that land sovereignty. Was and it? she was and she was just like yes of course she was like that, those are our people like no and way. so there's a whole different space um and um that you come from when that's not only when that's your lineage but then when you feel like it's your responsibility that you're here so that you can tell that story in the way that it needs to be told, that you're not just here to be here, um, but you're here um, with, you know, a particular tool. Like I know how to speak this language that my, you know, ancestors, even if they did know how to speak, weren't taken seriously. Um, I know how to access certain spaces and places and, and certain venues and, and certain technology that my ancestors can't and that there's people also in the world today that don't have the type of platforms that I can create or I'm also invited to. And then I need to then understand my kin story just mm -hmm. around the world so that I can project that story to the world unadulter unadulterated and very real and very raw. Um, because I really don't, you know, uh, care, not to say I don't care about money, but I just am not really in that space of like trying to be a millionaire. Like 
yeah. if I get paid, if I don't get paid, I'm still going to talk. Um, right. So this, it's a different space um, to be it's in, and, and just and just to know, just to know your role, the reason why I'm here, and the reason why I'm able to talk, and the reason why I have you know these platforms, and I'm able to spread you know spread ideas and and connect and and um spread other people's ideas as well that i've learned um that's the purpose that i hold it's not so that i can be what i want to be it's that i can be what they need me to be because mm. i've had many times where i was just like i don't want to be here why am i around in these institutions they don't even want me here i don't but you know not that i don't belong here but I know what they know, but I don't want to be here. Um, and I really had to think that I'm not here for me. I'm here for my ancestors and I'm here for my kin who are very much connected to the way, what my ancestors were fighting for. And they're still fighting. Um, there are more Bay rebellions happening every single day. Right. And I have to be around and be aware of what is happening so that I can, you know, um, you know, a pro, pro, you know, project and be a part of that revolutionary spirit and tell these stories and tell these narratives and um, speak truth and destabilize and dismantle any of these crazy white supremacist narratives at any point in, in, in space that I can. Um, one thing I do want to say is that when it comes on to um, like more morality and immorality when I think about food and veganism and all that kind of stuff or about any kind of conscientious consumption or being, I don't really go in the space of, of immorality because th those have been used so much to just um, not only destabilize, it's just rooted in, in anti-blackness and white supremacy. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> and so we, we use language because it makes sense. But when it comes on to like, as a concept, not just saying, not just as, as, as a word and, and saying, but as a concept and ways of, of moving people to conscientious ways of being, um, I move in the way of um, just accessibility and understanding and teaching and, um, you know, um, and connecting and reconnecting. And um, what I do when it comes on, you know, because I think the realness is, is I already said that I have 30,000 non-human animals under my belt that I, that literally been slaughtered. I have no right to then say, shame on you. <laughs> Cause right. I'm not doing something right now in my particular point in life. I have no That's right me. at all. Uh, you know what I mean? No I, shame I've culture. Done, I got you. Yeah, I've yeah. done, I've done. Oh, say it again. I said, no shame culture. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Um, yeah. Because um, you know, I, I just I just don't have that right. I, I've done I've done my dirt. I've been in I've been in these spaces. I've been where in, in a lot of places that a lot of people have been. Uh, um, when you know where you just get used to something, and it's accessible, and it's something that you it's a way um, um, that you know a particular. Um, people in your family may have done it. And it's also, um, you know, is is a, an indulgence that also helps move along because a lot of people, um, you know, connect food with traditions and spaces. Right. So understanding that is uh, important. But 
Um, I think when it comes on to yeah, shame and immorality, I move out of that space because as I'm moving through uh, veganism as like a, a politic, veganism as an anti-oppressive social justice movement, what I see white veganism do is speak about immorality and mm -hmm. shame a lot. And that's how, okay. yeah, that's, that's their point of moving people towards um, veganism. And a lot of that is targeted, you know, shame and immorality is targeted mostly at um, black, brown, indigenous people and saying, why do you eat like this? And why do you do this? And why, you know, targeting them um, and targeting our communities, really. Um, instead of seeing these pathologies as a part of colonialism and capitalism. And it's like- And into real estate. My yeah, favorite. and it's like, do we <laughs> want to talk about where, store, where these things spot. come from? And yeah. how people had to acculturate to a certain, like if you weren't eating certain foods, you were looked at crazy. Like a lot of times black people were looked at crazy for eating collards, for eating an abundance of, of fruits and vegetables. Like just like not, not eating, basically if you weren't eating carrots, peas and broccoli, they, they saw you as a savage. <laughs> really funny. those three vegetables yeah. like oh those were those were um oh, maybe asparagus maybe maybe celery you could eat those vegetables but if you were eating dark leafy greens if you were eating mustard greens if you were eating eating collards if you were eating chards if you were eating all those they looked at you like why are you eating if you were eating dandelion greens a lot of times dandelion was was so a weed you. yeah good for your eyes all sorts of stuff for sure and we were like, oh, we mean a vegetable in a tea. <laughs> like, that's a healing tea. And that's a, a vegetable that, you know, dandelion grease, that's what you eat. Like, so, so it's very, you know, a lot of the foods that are now being projected in this health and wellness space and the superfoods are, a lot of them are black, brown, indigenous, um, indigenous, just foods that people would just eat, just generally just eat. And there was a lot of it. Um, so it never was meat centered anyways. Um, you know, the sides were just as, as important as um, what what was seen as the main, which was maybe the meat dish. And if the main was the meat dish, it was usually during, um, you know, a holiday or a special, special uh, a convening or something, or something yeah. like that, you know, celebration. Right. It wasn't something that you did like every, every day. It just, it just couldn't, it just couldn't, you know, it just couldn't have been. So it's unsustainable. Um, even, <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then, and then you couldn't really trust what you were getting. So, you know, in general, a lot of black people, not until like really the sixties and seventies, um, particularly with desegregation, were they really going to mainstream places anyways? Um, sure. So there was a way that white people were navigating that black people couldn't because of segregation. Um, and, you know, whether if it was by law or by practice that black people don't go to this kind of store um, because they're not wanted there, they're going to be followed in the store, this and the other. So there were smaller places or gardens or things that people would do. I'm, I'm talking about specifically like urban spaces and areas, um, ways to access certain foods. And then sometimes foods just weren't in the mainstream supermarkets because they were seen as black foods or seen as, there weren't gonna be dandelion greens, collard greens and mustard greens in the, in a mainstream supermarket. I'm only mm. seeing that in the past 10 years. Yeah, even probably shorter than that. I mean, there's a reason why Whole Foods has taken up so much space in these type of communities and 
how that basically ends up getting bought by Amazon. So it has a lot of mixy stuff that, like you said, there's like a trend that's happening. It's obviously been talked about for years. It's been our families for years, but now it's being, again, appropriated. And then also they're charging more for it than what it's actually been bought. So that's like the whole other thing. So now it's not only a, a social thing, but a financial thing. It's it's a lot. It's it's a res, it's a resource. I mean, a lot of people don't even realize that water is becoming a bit of a resource yeah. issue in Asia and a bunch of other places. So these things that we get so readily are don't necessarily feel like they're going to be here forever. So those little toilet paper scares and all that little stuff, it, it means nothing when you don't really know how to farm and have a backyard where you can kind of go back to your greens. So my question is, I'm also in New York talking all that stuff. <laughs> I don't have a farm. So I'm wondering how are you navigating in that space? And like, you know, there's been a mass exodus from New York and a lot of the bigger cities. Um, and we've been talking about decolonizing our bodies and just being around certain vibrations. But, you know, there's a lot of theories that I've also brought up with Caleb. I'm sure you'll remember with 5G and just being around a bunch of people and how that coronavirus has a lot to do with just being around a bunch of negative energy and phlegm. It's just a lot of stuff that's involved. So would you ever take us a leap from, like you said, just like, you know, at the computer. Or, <laughs> I know some I mean, people in Costa Rica that are doing it, but you know. I think I think that is, um, you know, there's a home going or a you know home finding, or home seeking type of you know voyage. A lot of people, particularly black and brown um, people, are are doing. Um, but I think what we have to be careful of is um, really moving ourselves away from some of the colonial things that are going on. Um, let's say in Puerto Rico, um, I'm, you know, a Spanish speaker, not very good right now because I just haven't been able to travel and connect and all this kind of stuff, but I'm a Spanish speaker. So I could, um, I would love to say go to Puerto Rico and reacclimate my life and, and connect with some friends I, I have over there and, and all of that stuff. But um, there's a whole issue with these crypto coin people, you know, uh, cryptocurrency people and, um, you know, the tats kind of evasion type people and <laughs> the billionaires and, and the millionaires that yeah. are going to Puerto Rico, you know, as a, as a tax haven. And as I want to um, a matriate, and connect with the um, struggles within the spaces of the Caribbean and and find my community there, I want to be careful that I'm not moving in spaces that are very colonial. So there's a two-pronged uh, situation there where, yes, the diaspora, uh, however it looks like, even if it's home seeking, even if it's the African diaspora moving back to the continental Africa in some sort of way. Like Ghana and some other yeah, places, for sure. Yeah. Needs to understand the um, coloniality of like of going back. And um, if you're going to go back, you can't go back w- within the same context. You have to really go back thinking that you're going to you know, um, you know, connect with communities that are moving in a particular type of way. And I think sustainability has been the best way to kind of um, counter coloniality. Um, but it has to be sustainability rooted in um, black, brown, indigenous 
in the politics of regeneration and all that kind of stuff. It can't mm -hmm. be sustainability like, yay, you know, metal straws, we're saving the earth. <laughs> you know, it has to be like, you know, sustainability in connecting with the the issues um, uh, that um, the people who live there, the indigenous people who live there, indigenous, if it's, you know, 500 years, 300 years, or indigenous, you know, where it's millennials, um, what they're dealing with and connecting and contributing and showing your worth. And that's also hard. Of having to contribute and show your worth, and not not necessarily be you know play not not be exalted as somebody that's important, and really try to put yourself mm -hmm. in the background and focus on supporting and amplifying the needs and the leaders in those spaces. That's also important um, in any type of home seeking, um, home going type of um, um, situation. But you know. A part of my, <laughs> the most basic part of my decolonization is also, or the process of decolonization, because it's not done, it's a ever and it's a never ending process. Um, it's very much unfinished. Um, it's just watching House Hunters International and being <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, you know, no, I'm going to say this, you know, no offense, Caleb. But these basic ass white people <laughs> no, <you're totally> fine. <laughs> with three dollars with three dollars and forty-five cents going to Costa Rica, <laughs> going to Mexico, and I'm like, you have three dollars and forty-five cents. How are you doing this? Right. But, I never got that either. But yeah. <laughs> but if you see, you see the indigenous folk walking by these homes. I'm sorry. What to, to be honest, I feel like House Hunters makes like anyone who lives or has ever paid rent in New York just upset. <laughs> like, <'cause you're> like <laughs> they're like, I have twenty thousand dollars. Let me get this house. And you're like, right. where where are you living? But it's, right. you know, other places have other spaces. So but particularly when I see House Hunters International, I'm seeing people go to the Caribbean, Jamaica, all these different island spaces, Central America, even Latin America. Um, and I'm just like, and they don't have much more than I have. And, and for one, and I'm just like, it, it makes it for one, like I can do this. Right. Um, but then it makes it like, well, how many of these people exist and are they all there? And how is this changing the d dynamic of that space? You yeah. know, how are these, I know these people are not sustainable. They literally are, you know, they want to live how they want to live. Look at well, the however, they're living, yeah. <laughs> however they're living in Iowa, they want to live in Costa Rica. So they want the certain certain things that they have accessible in Iowa, they want to be accessible in Costa Rica. Certain things they have right. accessible in Oklahoma or Mississippi, wherever they're coming from, they want it to that same level of accessibility, okay. that same level of capitalist markets and all this kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So I'm just like, and then also some of these people are coming there and being like, well, I want a small business and to get into the health and wellness field and then to bring more people there to then, um, you know, as a way of like tourism and eco, not eco tourism, because it's, you know, it's flashy now. So it's like, um, but it's, it's not necessarily, <laughs> yeah, it's not based in any type of community building. It's kind of just like, very much parasitic and wow. trying to take someone else's 
practices and acculturate them to then legitimize yourself in that space and then project some authority to these other people who are, you know, willing to pay top dollar in the U.S. to then experience your enlightened life in wherever space. You have those people, they exist and they exist in very large numbers within the context of the Caribbean, Latin America, Central America. And, sure. and just watching, you know, House Hunters International, that um, really um, just, you know, allowed me to see that there's, there's, there's a bigger problem than me wanting to come go back home because home is literally very different. And that there's other people that are um, seeking my home to make it their home in a particular type of colonized mm -hmm. way, mm -hmm. uh, in a very much a tourist way, and also in a white savior type way. This is this is like a very heavy topic because I think that it and now it not only has to do with just like you said, just white capitalism and all these other things that we're accessing. I think that it's kind of like it goes you're you're challenging even our bipoc community as well and all our indigenous folk that may now have a little bit of wealth and i'm curious to see how we contribute to neo-capitalism and that aspect neo-colonialism in that way so how would you define like like us being able to grow and and finding that abundance without just doing the same thing that we were already trained to do through trauma i mean you're a history history buff and you know that history will repeat itself but i see a lot of black capitalists even in Atlanta, Georgia, and all these type of places, not, no shade to them. But I've seen, we're almost perpetuating the same colonialism that we started, and we're doing it to our own people all over again. Just those that are a little more impoverished or didn't have enough credit to buy these homes, you know? So. Mm -hmm. um, I think, uh, you know, the thing is, is that, representation matters. <laughs> when I say that, for capitalism, representation matters. For neocolonialism, re representation matters. They, they, they love it when they see Black, Brown, Indigenous spaces um, act in the way of the colonizer. They, you know, like they, they thrive off of that. Um, and then also, we have to understand that our images, Black, Brown, Indigenous people, our images have been used to sell capitalism to the world. Right. Um, if you even, and my, my sister, Nikki Sanchez, we talk about this one comes on the cultural appropriation, uh, and the appropriation of black, brown, indigenous and the intersection of black, brown, indigenous, um, just the images, um, you have the, the chiefs and the, <laughs> the, the redskins, you know, like, do you, do they, does capitalism really need to do that or mm -hmm. uncle Ben and, but they do Aunt Jemima. Like Did they, they change have, I think they, they just changed it. Yeah. But that's how they've been doing it for the past 500 years since they started trying to market um, this quote unquote new world to, uh, you know, the, the, the money people. Um, of Europe, and, the European interests specifically. Yes. Right, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. So when they were trying to do that, they had to project the exotic. And they've been projecting the exotic, they've been projecting the savage to sell capitalism for a very for 500 years. So mm -hmm. to stop that, it's it's very difficult for uh, for just people, especially in the ways that I always say capitalism is not 
um, smart. It's just repetitive and redundant. Um, they're persistent. It's not like they're not going to do anything new. They're just going to do the same thing over and over, but they'll just, you know, kind of um, do it in a particular type of way that like a small little tweak, <laughs> like the smallest tweak. Um, right. And, and, um, but the smallest tweak is an important tweak. Um, so I think, I think, because we don't really understand how much, even with blackface and the even like um, soap companies and, and just all of that, um, cigarette companies um, use black imagery Billy and Dean. black brown indigenous <laughs> imagery to yeah, sell yeah. everything. Right. Um, and it's very much interwoven and collapsed with capitalism is them allowing us to then be a part of those systems is that small tweak is that representation matters tweak um so now you know the person that you have to worry about um looks like you but that's not like that that's also nothing nothing new um because there was always people that they found or you know they they held hostage or they had a characteristic or however to translate and to be a part of some of their um, very dangerous and um, destabilizing type systems, you know, and we have names for them within our community. Um, Tarek, you know, those types of people, we, well, the names we have for them. But, and I don't think, and I don't think I, you know, I don't necessarily take those people. I take them seriously. I know they're dangerous, but I don't take them seriously in thinking that. Um, I just I under I understand the way they move and why they move that way, right. and right. I understand that this is nothing new. Um, it's just a minor tweak. Representation matters, and when we hear that, we should always be wary. When someone says representation matters, it's like okay, we're bombing Syria. Representation still matters? Like, or not where. I never connect myself to the nation. They're bombing Syria. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, representation does not matter. Um, a To me, at least, you know, um, what matters to me is a seismic shift of the systems that we currently live under and a dismantling destabilization of those systems. Um, it's not representation. It's never been representation. Some of the most violent people towards me have been representat rep representatives of the state that look like me. Um, right. So I never really thought, oh, this person's black, safety. It's like this person's <laughs> black. <laughs> uh, this person's black, brown, indigenous. Well, who do they work for? You know what I mean? You're like, like who are they working with? What do you like, like, today? You have to have just a <laughs> level of discernment. I don't know. We, we got to work yeah. on that one. No, yeah. I feel you. I, I, just, just to bring it full circle, I mean, I, I feel like we should have, definitely have you on again because this is awesome. Like, um, I think that you said some phenomenal things about cultivating and co-collaborating. And also, just like you said, just kind of creating the soil around you, making sure that that environment is perfect whether it be spiritual or whatever it is. And that will actually push you forward to do such great things like you're doing. Um, so yeah, like um, just tell people how to join in your products, how they can reach out to you. I actually saw that you had your own, um, that you were talking to some people in your on your Instagram as well, right? 
Yeah, so I have a few Instagrams. I have three at almost Dr. Lisa Betty, and that's where uh, most of my uh, just my writing and uh, content like that, and then sharing different um, you know people in my network, their work, um, and I think that's just kind of deep rooted in in knowledge and um, connection. So I like that mm -hmm. one. Plant based is political is um, some of some of my work on um, veganism. Oh, there's a dot, plant-based dot is dot political. <laughs> Sorry, I did that once. I was like, wait, that's not it. <laughs> Tag my phone on something. I was like, what is my site? Anyways. Yeah. Shout um, out to your nomination for the historian <laughs> stuff as well. I, we didn't get a chance to talk about that, but definitely you could share some of that as well. But plant-based is political. At yeah. Fattish Veganish. Um, it's somewhat, you know, it's somewhat political. You can spell but it, that one for Caleb, right? <laughs> Caleb, you got that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need you to sound that out. <laughs> Fattish, so F F A T T I S H, veganish, V E G A N I S H. So with fattish veganish, it's really about because I was noticing, like I was moving in a particular type of way, even when I yeah, even when I didn't didn't really, you know understand how I was moving. Like I wasn't in, in, in certain spaces all the way or like politically or, or like in community all the way. So with fattish veganish, it's just, I saw that veganism and plant-based eating was sold as some kind of like health and wellness, like, you know, get, get, you know, diet, you know, lose to lose 50 pounds real quick scheme in a <laughs> lot of spaces. Um, and what I, what, I really want to connect with was the the um, black, brown, indigenous foods that I grew up with and ate that were very much plant based and very much full fat. Like, <laughs> like I didn't understand. Like, like no, like the vegan food I'm eating is plant based. It's whole and it's very much um, you know um, connected to the traditional foods that I've always eaten. So it's not right. a situation where um, um, and, and it's, and it's not necessarily processed either, but processed food, because I'm living in this space. Um, I'm not like, Oh, don't eat processed food ever. Like there's a lot of, there's a level of, um, I'll say accessibility that you need sometimes when you're living in this context where it's like, I got to use the canned beans because I can't soak beans overnight right now. Like <laughs> chill on that. <laughs> or or I, feel, I, feel, I feel for, I feel for a burger. Like I remember I ate a burger a long time ago. I feel for that same burger, but with, mm -hmm. with the ingredients that I like um, um, and the ingredients that I have in, in my kitchen right now. Like I, I eat a lot of falafel and things like that. So uh, like chickpea okay. and things like that. So yeah. Okay. yeah, it's like saying fattish veganish where it's like trying to um also decolonize that type of way of thinking about um veganism and plant-based in terms of just like a piece of lettuce where it's like no, we're going <laughs> to eat we're going to eat we're going to You don't understand how many jokes I get a day yes. about that one. We're going to eat yeah. ackee yam, coco yam, we're going to have um <laughs> we're going to have kalalu, we're going to have <laughs> yes, we're going to have ackee, we're going to have um avocado pear, we're going to have mm -hmm. all of that and it's yeah. going to make you full and you know and we're going to have rundown and it's coconut coconut oil, coconut milk, you know all of that stuff. Um cuz it's coming from a different type of tradition um, of plant-based eating that is based on black, brown, indigenous ways of being. Mm -hmm. So 
um, that that my family trying was to get really a stick. Let's get these vegans yeah, out here. <laughs> and all listen, and all of the the black vegans and uh, plant based eaters that I know are not, you know, small or you know, skinny or you know, any type of, you know, you know, we have frames, and right. you know, not to say that you know people who are aren't eating a per- particular type, but. It's we're not focused necessarily on being in a you know uh, a, being in a, a certain a certain standard. Um, it's more about connecting with um, our the foods that are indigenous to us and the foods that we grew up with and the foods that we the food tradition that we feel like we're losing um, as we're trying to acculturate to this space. So I've, uh, that's what it's really connected to because I'm you know, making yam. I, you know, I don't do that. I even learning how to like make beans, beans. I had to ask my mom when I first was, cause I never made beans. She's the one who made beans. And when I moved away from home, I'm not now asking, I had to ask my mom, um, how do we really make beans? Like I didn't really know. And then me traveling to other places, um, like Cuba and other places and, and, and having to feed myself and be like, let me really learn how to make, make beans. Um, because I can't afford to eat all the time outside no. is just <laughs> like, saves a lot I of money, for sure. <laughs> and I make right. beans in the Afro-Indigenous ways that my, my, how my ancestors made beans and I know how to make beans and that's, it's not, it's not easy. It's not, it's not, that's a skill set because that's a lot of, um, vegans and plant-based eaters are, are struggling with certain legumes, but it's because it's not being properly made. Um, and you, you got to soak, soak it in baking soda 24 hours, like at the most, okay. you know, you have to boil it for like, you have to boil it for like five hours. Like, <laughs> it's like beans is real. Like you can't just be like, Oh, let me mix it up a little bit. Yep. Eat it. <laughs> like, no. <It's> the <laughs> and even, even when the beans are done that first day, it's not done until you reboil them the second day. Wow. And people don't know these like basic, things that are part of my, you know, Af- Afro-Indigenous culture that I want to like bring to um, the space. And that I share the same culture with different people who are um, from the Circum-Caribbean, which is like, you know, um, a Florida going around Central America, South America, and the Caribbean, and then um, African spaces, and then- Cassava right. um, for sure, yeah. yeah. And then Southeast Asian spaces and all that kind of stuff. Like we 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 share in a lot of these um, you know cultural cultural food traditions uh, and agriculture t- traditions that are really um, very sustainable and have sustained us and allowed us to survive slavery, colonialism, mass migration, forced migration, all of this stuff. Um, and we're still alive. Like we've been through it. Five hundred years has not been easy. But we're alive, yeah. and it's because galactically of, and all sorts of ways. Like, there's a reason why they were eating like that. Like, we're not going to yeah. change the paradigm now. Believe yeah. me, that yeah, it's it's a survival thing that has become more than sustainable. The planet has been moving in a certain way, and we've been trying to keep it this way. Keep it this <laughs> so, way. Right. Yeah, and we sure. just have to. It's a decolonization process, and that's why you know I really. Um, instinctively created faddish veganish to move in that way of thinking about um, plant-based foods, vegan foods as um, as just like full fat indigenous traditions, Afro 
Afro, I, I think I say like African, Asiatic, indigenous traditions, like right. an intersection of those, because those have really, um, with my family, particularly my Jamaican family, that those have been very much attached to how we just are and, you know, how we be in our space. Like, that's just how we are. Um, and those really inform us. I mean, that was, that's, that's it. <laughs> that has been awesome. Like for sure, man. Um, Caleb, you want to do your, your, your notes like you like to do at the end? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can, we could sit and talk about this. I definitely want to have you back on for sure, Lisa. Definitely. And it'd, be, it'd be great to have you on with some other, other folk as well. We haven't done like a great group episode, but I mean, mm -hmm. we've just had such power hitters coming in that, you know, each person can take their hour and, and just keep going. So I appreciate it. I hope you felt comfortable with speaking. And you got mm -hmm. some great things across, um, you know, all the people that watch our show or the ones that will watch it in the future that aren't watching it live will just definitely benefit from this and definitely check her out. Um, definitely change your food process, how you talk to people. All of this has to have intention. It's not about, like you said, weight or, or anything else. Let's let's cultivate community. Let's cultivate our environment. Let's let's do it. <laughs> so, Kayla, any notes? For sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, I mean. The whole show was just absolutely fascinating, and it really allowed me to, you know, sit back and listen again and, and be able to, I mean, frankly, realize just um, just how awful <laughs> um, my race can be, you know? I don't want to come up with that. Caleb, that is not what we talked about today. Wow, Caleb. Like, no, it's not. It's not. It's not that. But it's, it's also. We're just bothering. We're just bothering. Go ahead, Caleb. No, let, also, let, let, let you. No, no, you're totally fine. No, you're totally fine. It's it's also just understanding, you know, and and that's the whole point. That's why I love I love being able to have have this show and also this episode in general. Is it allows me to just become more aware. And I think that right there is what we all need is to become more aware. And uh, I'm just very thankful that I was able to learn more tonight. You know, I, I think, I think, and I, I say that um, with every piece of my heart in that, you know, being able to just be thankful of learning and, um, uh, I know that's not exactly what you were saying, but but <laughs> no, but, don't don't take offense. Yeah. We were just no, joshing. No, 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 no. I was not taking yeah. offense at all. Okay, okay, no, okay, okay. no. Actually, I I welcome it to be honest. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. to, to be blunt uh, there, but no, it, it's been it's been a really really insightful episode, and I feel like this entire series has been that way for every one of our guests. Um, the, they speak their mind, Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. Don't think that you're the only one that's like, burn <laughs> everybody. Not to interrupt Caleb, but like you said, no, your no, family's no. been doing this for years. I mean, yeah. for, when you brought that up and you're like, yeah, I'm actually a descendant of a huge rebellion that actually worked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, so, it worked, but then they, uh, then they, you know, killed 400 of us and then persecuted a thousand of us. So that's that. that very uh, diverse ways. If you talk about some Jamaican history, even with the males, and yeah, we can get crazy with that stuff. Yeah, but yeah but, for sure. But, yeah. yeah, 
There's yeah. just some realities where repression really did destabilize. And then now I understand why I'm here is because of the repression and the outmigration, you know, migration due to that repression. So I had to understand some things. Um, and then for me to be able to tell this story um, and the importance of it, because yeah. all they wanted was their land and the government out of their face, you know, or the colonial government out of their face to live the way that they wanted um, to live with food sovereignty, land sovereignty, community. Um, and womb sovereignty. And without, <laughs> yeah, and without yeah. white supremacy. And, yeah. and the British government said no. And um, and then we said, okay, burn it down. And then they said, we'll repress you. And then, you know, out migration. And then Lisa's here. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how it went. It was like, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I feel you too, Caleb, because I'm, I'm, I'm learning too. You got to remember, I mean, I'm also a male. So there's a lot of spaces that I don't even understand. Like you definitely brought in the strength of the matriarch. Like, you know, every, so far we've had... Um, well, we're going to have another guest coming on on March 10th, but we've had some like phenomenal um, leaders in their own right, just straight up matriarchs, alpha women. And mm -hmm. that's another thing we did. We did want to kind of access. I, I know there's like some bonus content because people don't normally stay for the hour, but I'm sure they are. But just, just to show like how much as the mother earth or the soil, because I did say um, womb protection as well, because what we consume will come out in our children as well. So obviously you're a product of good food because your grandmother's been eating well. And, you know, so, you know, a lot of this does have a lot of connections to our own being. And just as, you know, just as our, just shout out to our women for cultivating and keeping culture and keeping our food correctly and making sure that all just goes. Like I often think about soil and mother earth and how we are all born from our mother's soil in like, you know, in the general sense. So I think, I think that means so much to, to everyone that, that, that you're touching today except for we can all step and like kind of bow to this divine feminine and this grace because mm. i don't i don't know I've, I've learned that i need to work on growing some more plants for sure because okay. there's something to it you know spiritually and just talking to the plants and actually seeing how you how it develops over time it means a lot so look see there is he's <laughs> you guys both have plants. I don't. I don't I, yeah, I don't but don't pay attention plants. to this orchid. I got it from my mom. gave it to me as a present, and I love <laughs> And so I was just like, I hope it blooms again. But if not, it is not mine. It was a gift, and I have not responsible. <laughs> I did not do this <laughs> because I know that orchids. Are, orchids are very. You know, you got to be very specific with orchids, and yeah, I'm not a orchid person. So, you know, I'm a viney spider plant person <laughs> like, right. i'm a do do your thing run wild nazi dread run wild i'm not i'm not particular you know like like what do you need today <laughs> I, I can't i'm not with those like ferns are not me either um they're very temperamental like you have to also understand like the personality of certain plants and how they right. move especially if you're in urban areas um, and not like in the Caribbean, like with tropical plants. <laughs> but thank you. Yeah, without yeah, like um, if, unless you had some other stuff, Caleb is gonna gonna close us out. Talk to us. I think I think we can close out, and I would love to you know come again at some point in time whenever For you're sure. ready. For me. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. We uh we can actually talk about that after right after we 
we finish this real quick too. Um, yeah, well, you've been listening, you've been watching the Identity Podcast. It's been such an insightful episode, okay. and I, I hope that we all have learned in some sort of aspect um, on on here, and also if you are watching or listening as well. Um, don't forget that we are brought to you by Find Your ID NYC. You can go ahead and like us on Facebook. Check us out on all social media platforms such as YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, wherever we're on there. I promise you at the Identity Podcast. Check us out there. You can actually listen to the Identity Podcast on all streaming platforms, which is pretty cool. Don't forget to follow us on all those platforms as well. You can listen to the you can listen to the podcast on Brick Media every Tuesday. And if you love the Identity Podcast and want to sponsor us, well, you can do so. Email us at press at findyourdnyc.com for more information. Uh, we are celebrating Women's History Month, so happy Women's History Month for the month of March. We're very it's excited. Strong. Um, <laughs> we're very excited. All of our all of our guests this Wednesday, or this Wednesday, this Wednesday, this month, are um, uh, do identify as women. So we're very excited uh, to have that. And thank you, Lisa, for coming on. It has been such a such a thrill to 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 discover your identity and to learn from you and, and to become more aware of everything. Um, I was not expecting to learn as much as I did. I have like. A, a long pages of notes over got here. I've been jot right? down. <laughs> You're yeah. like, man, this kid's quiet because I'm writing the whole time. <laughs> Lisa gave us a lot of homework. She's like, uh, you may be vegan, but uh, I got some stuff you do over here. You know? <laughs> but wait, there's more. Um, right. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, very exciting stuff for the month of March for the Identity Podcast. We're continuing our environmental and sustainable series, sustainability series, and next Wednesday, March. 10th sustainable change featuring Alina Bassi. Amazing, amazing person. Definitely stay tuned for that episode Wednesday, March 10th at 7.15 p.m. Eastern time. As always, I am your co-host, Caleb, along with my fellow and lovely co-host, Tarek. Is Appreciate everyone. A, Thank you for a listening. Joy. Such a joy. Uh, joy? Yeah, I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, yeah. Uh, it's the identity podcast. Well, everyone, stay groovy. Talk Have a good one. Lisa Betty, who's still with us. Thank, thank, thank you, everyone. You guys will just check her out. Just give her some love for sure. See you guys. All right. Peace, See everyone. everyone. Catch you next week. All right.